You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Everyone, welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and I'm here with Zach Hensley, who is the director of Ephesus Ministries, and we're excited to have a conversation today about what God's doing in the church, some of Zach's journey, and uh, the power of prayer and the presence of God. We want to, as always, equip you to experience and host the presence of God because we believe God's presence changes everything. Thank you all for subscribing and following and sharing and commenting and liking and all those things you do to engage and be a part of this podcast community. Zach, welcome. It's good to have you. It's good to be on. Thanks for having me on, man. So you've been involved in helping build and lead houses of prayer, churches, your website says Bible schools, outreach ministries. You and I are still getting to know each other, so I'm excited to just hear some more about your journey and what you've been up to and, and glean uh, from that, and I think everybody who tunes into the Presence Pioneers podcast, we're worshipers, we're intercessors, we're lovers of the presence of God, and so you're in the right place. And uh, we we would love to just have you take a few minutes, introduce yourself, and uh, and share some of your story. Yeah, so uh, I'm 41 years old. I've been in ministry since I was like 16. Grew up in a mega church in in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, my mom was an associate pastor there, very large, you know, six, 8,000 person church. And I just fell in love with prayer. I, it started for me when I was 15 and this guy in 1997 by the name of Lou Engle came to Arizona State University um, to do a little prayer rally called a prayer quake. Oh yeah. And uh, it was actually at that rally, he tells the story that his son Jesse had a dream the night before one of the nights. It was a three-day rally. During one of the nights, his son Jesse has this dream, and the vision for the call was birthed out in the desert, you know, and and like a a man burning like John the Baptist, God was going to raise up Nazarites in the desert. I was 15 years old and in the room when uh, that whole thing kind of started taking place. I don't think at 15 I really understood anything (laughs) except for the fact that There was this guy who fasted and prayed and God did Mm. stuff. And my whole life, I would say, I would summarize most of everything that I am around that idea that when I fast and pray, God does stuff. And uh, everything's kind of summed up in that. I mean, I get to see the reality and the activity of God um, when we fast, when we pray, when we ask him. And he's a good God. And I get to see that he's real. And so I was 15. I went on a a week-long fast to freak my mom out because she was like, uh, you're going to fast at 15? I don't even know if I'm allowed to let you fast. And uh, right. I went on a fast at 15 and for a week, and I think I ate just as much calories as I normally would have because my mom was feeding me these like super hefty shakes and all that kind of <laughs> stuff. But, uh, but it was significant for me. Really found Jesus in it. And uh, I had a whiteboard in my room and prayed and fasted for the names. And by the end of that school year, everyone on that whiteboard came to Jesus. Come on. I just kind of became obsessed with seeking Jesus, seeking his presence and leading prayer meetings. And mm. I was also had an entrepreneur streak. I went and started a business with my youth pastor, public speaking business. And then I heard about these crazy people in a trailer in Kansas City who are praying 24 hours a day. Yeah. I, I sold everything and at 20, uh, moved to Kansas City to join this little trailer 
uh, I, w- I joined the night section because I was a night person, uh, sat up there at 3 a.m. leading prayer meetings with me and another guy and a homeless guy sleeping in the back. So <laughs> did that, uh, got to do a lot of amazing stuff, leadership and whatnot at the International House of Prayer for 11 years. And then uh, end of 2012, Baba Marcy Sorge came to me and asked me if uh, I would take over a church they had planted where they were from, their church in upstate New York. So in End of 2012, I went and became, at 30 years old, the senior pastor of New Hope Fellowship in Bloomfield, Rochester, New York area, and was there for eight years as a senior pastor. Got to, I mean, I went through all the things senior pastors go through in terms of transitioning a church, taking over for the old guy, what that looks like. The years, it literally takes years to see your vision implemented. I would say it also takes years to understand what your vision is. Uh, everybody has an idea of what they want a church to be until they take over a church. And there's always, who are these people? What are these people's needs? And what is my vision? And how does all of that work together? And so uh, I would say that took a number of years, but uh, honestly, we started a worship camp for teenagers and building prayer meetings and and building uh, musicians and singers. Towards the end of my tenure there, we had a full-time prayer room daily. Uh, We had about 10 worship teams. We were doing an internship. We were doing school. We were uh, started a Bible college as well called Ephesus School with a couple other pastors. And and we were just going for it, man. And then 2020 hit and uh, put all my plans in jeopardy as I watched my church split uh, based on politics. Wow. Specifically in New York, it was a big deal. Yeah. Both uh, because I would say I had people on both sides of the aisle, but they're New Yorkers. So they were very vocal and adamant. And gotcha. I knew I was going to have to replant that church. I mean, we had a good course left, but, you know, I, I was going to have to re- restart everything again because a lot of our worship teams, a lot of our, you know, things were moving on. People were moving on and leaving. Mm. And I was praying and asking God, God, I'm ready and I'm willing. But my wife was praying, you know, God, if this is it, then just tell us, like, tell us if maybe somebody else should restart this work. And right about that time, I got a phone call from a guy in the San Francisco Bay Area that I knew from traveling around with Lou Engle back in the day. Yeah. He asked me to come be a teaching pastor at a church, a large mega church. You know, I'm, I don't know. Everyone, it, pretty much anything over a thousand, we say mega church. I don't know if it was a mega church, but yeah. It was a, a 3,000-person church in uh, Danville, California, and uh, the guy and I had known each other for a decade or so, and same heart values, so started a prayer room there, brought out some singers and musicians from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, and and we started doing daily prayer meetings there, and mm-hmm. uh, just seeing God move, and then Francis Chan actually wanted to hold a meeting at our church, and uh, we led it. And then he asked me if I would help him lead a 50 days of prayer around the Bay. And so we did a 50 days of prayer at different churches all around the Bay. And it was beautiful to see the San Francisco Bay area that was considered dark and considered unchurched to see so many godly, amazing believers there in San Francisco and discover my friend, Mark McGovern. And he has this network called Pray the Bay of just churches all over the Bay area who are uniting together as churches to pray and contend for the San Francisco and for the Bay Area. And um, awesome. there are 40, 50 churches involved that are contending right now regularly 
banding together to pray for their city. Mm. Uh, they're seeing a lot of fruit, a lot of signs and wonders. God move in really miraculous ways. It's just been really cool. And through an unfortunate turn of events, I just ended up back in Kansas City. Is the easiest way I'll say it is uh, there was some stuff that went down at the church. Uh, wasn't having anything to do with me, but had everything to do with me in that I was no longer there. Mm. So we ended up back in Kansas City because we never sold our house here and friends and beautiful family here at the International House of Prayer and just have been holding out hands, asking God what's next. And in the process, launched Ephesus Ministries and um, helping pastors build prayer cultures in their churches. Yeah. Prayer and presence culture. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I, I even, I get a sense of, you know, you're, you have a podcast called the Beautiful Church Podcast. And even as you're talking about what's been happening in San Francisco, the Bay Area, I sense your heart to, um, to celebrate what God's doing in the church and to be aware and to look with hope, uh, you know, place like San Francisco somewhere, a lot of people are going to be like, well, write them off, forget it, you know, let them fall out into the Pacific ocean, you know, because yeah. it's so corrupt <laughs> or whatever. But like uh, you're going, man, God's moving. There's people there that are praying, they're uniting together. You know, the kingdom of God is advancing. Jesus is alive and and in the darkest places. That epiphany for that podcast came from that was everyone told me that there's nobody praying. There's nobody doing anything in San Francisco. Then I went and discovered these beautiful people and I went, that's not true. And, yeah. and yes, yeah. we are in a time when the church is, we've seen a great apostasy in America. I mean, yeah. a third of the churches walk away and not come back. And there are lots of reasons for that. But in the process, I went, you know, we only ever talk about what's wrong with the church and its issues are great. The issues in our church, modern church expression, American expression of church needs awakening. Yeah. But at the same time, if we're always just talking about what's wrong and never actually pointing out what God is actually doing in the midst of it, we're going to miss his move. Yeah. We're going to miss what he's doing. And God's helping us. This isn't yeah. on us. And I think sometimes we talk about the church in America like it's all on us. <laughs> as if we're going to be the saviors of it. And and this is his church. It's not our church. And God's moving and he's leading and he's anointing and he's raising up kings and tearing them down. That's what he does. And and he's putting people in place. And I want to, my podcast specifically, but even just in general, I want to, I want to pay attention to that and say, God, yeah. I want to follow your lead because you're leading us. You're a good shepherd. You're a good leader. Yeah. So let's follow what you're doing and not try to make this up on our own like we're alone because we're not. And, yeah. and and he's helping us. Yes. So what are you I'd love to let's just keep pulling on that thread for for a little bit, because you are connected to people. You're having these conversations with people uh, all over America, primarily, I would guess, talking to leaders, talking to pastors like give us some hope, Zach. <laughs> like, what are you seeing? that's encouraging your heart or even specific stories that stick out to you in terms of like what, what God's doing right now. That's beautiful. Oh, there's, there are so many cool stories. You know, what I love having been a part of the international house of prayer and kind of this connected to what we call the prayer movement. You know, there's so many of us that are kind of grafted into, we know the different leaders and some of their teachings and whatnot. I'm mostly really encouraged by the amount of stories that I'm hearing in what we call streams, other than this prayer movement stream, where God is saying the same thing. Yeah, God is speaking the same thing. People are going, hey, we need to get back to the basics. We need to get it centered around prayer and holiness. 
I had one guy, this is crazy, in, in San Francisco tell me, you know, I sat down with my team and we just, we took a prayer retreat for three days and we said, God, what are you saying to the church in our city? And he goes, uh, he goes, so we wrote down four things that we felt like the Lord was going to do to change uh, Christianity in our city. And he has no idea about any of the prayer movement stuff. And he goes, it's going to be intercession, essentially. It's going to be holy lifestyles. He's asking us to give extravagantly to the poor, be radical in generosity. And he's asking us to have faith that's radical, that we would that we'd believe God and not quit. And, and if you know what I'm talking about, there's this we've been saying in the prayer movement, talking about God changing the understanding and expression of Christianity, and it's going to be holiness, you know, yeah. offerings to the poor, faith and all that. It, it was just interesting to me. It's like, wow, God is saying the same thing to so many different people. I, I know megachurch pastors right now who are, after COVID and after kind of reevaluating, making big calls saying, hey, we need to get back to holiness and we need to get back to the Word of God as our primary examples. You know, um, yeah. uh, Chris Hodges addressing his ARC community of church planters and saying, hey, we need to get back to the Word of God and get back to holiness. Mm. Um, hearing stories of uh, a megachurch guys going, one of the main things that we've missed is we've made Jesus sentiment. Big name guy told me we made Jesus sentiment and people say they love Jesus, but they don't love Jesus. They love their idea of Jesus. And he said, I want to, I want people to stop saying, fall in love with Jesus. I want people to start saying, I want to fall in love with his word. Because when people fall in love with his word, they actually know who Jesus is and they'll fall in love with him. But if they just fall in love with Jesus, they get to make Jesus and whoever they want him to be. Right. There's, there's so many of those kind of stories. There's this one guy, he's one of my favorite dudes. His name's Quovatis uh, Marshall. He uh, pastors a church that's exploding in the middle of Iowa. And he was in prison <clears throat> uh, for crimes and different things, gets radically saved, gets radically transformed because somebody decided to start a house of prayer prayer meeting in his prison. And wow. uh, he gets out, um, gets back with his wife and gets training, goes off to school, does all that stuff you know, for five, six years, and then comes back to his hometown where he was a criminal, essentially, yeah, and plants a church to the underprivileged. And um, they have prayer and worship expressions, and they're building a second large building facility. But I, I went and preached at his church, and their third service is just uh, people who are on parole, who ha he has to sign their slips that they went to church that Sunday. <laughs> and it's all just hungry, hungry people who are finding Jesus in that whole region, That's awesome. coming to his church, finding Jesus, and he's giving them hope. They're helping them with their life and classes and, you know, how to, how to get a job, all of that kind of stuff. But really just seeing God move and people giving their lives to Jesus. I mean, that's, that there's nothing more beautiful than that. But preaching to that group was one of my favorite groups to preach to because they were so hungry. Mm. You, you talk about the love of Jesus and they're like, this is who he is. Oh, I need him in my life right now. And these are people who really desperately need him. I mean, they're on parole and yeah. dealing with horrible, horrible life circumstances and tons of stories of forgiveness. And uh, there was one story of this one uh, woman and her daughter they got the Christmas angel where you pull a name off the tree for a prisoner and you're going to bring him a present. Yeah. And they randomly just pulled off the one who had committed a murder against them. And they went oh and gosh. got a gift for them and anyway, presented it to them and said, Hey, we forgive you. And we love you. Jesus loves you. Just amazing, amazing stories of God, God moving. There's so many, 
But but I will say this, it seems like we are Gideons and God is going to make sure that at the end of the story, he gets all of the credit for everything that happens. And I think mm-hmm. our prayers matter. I think our, our pursuit of his presence matters and he's answering our prayers. He's answering our pursuit of his presence and answering it in ways that we can't get the credit for. And I think that's pretty much how he does it is he's, he's working in his church, but it's not going to look like anything that we've presupposed it's going to, and it's not going to really involve us. It's his church. Yes. Yes. Amen. I'm curious. I've had a, num- a number of conversations with different people on this podcast and even in private that are noticing a trend, whereas maybe what we would call the prayer movement or houses of prayer primarily been more parachurch. And we've seen a lot of prayer and missions, and we've seen citywide prayer rooms and things like that. It appears to me that what's increasingly happening is God is inviting local churches to center around his presence and to build around his presence and to make prayer a priority in their communities more and more and more. And I've just heard from a number of people who who have said they're seeing the same thing, people who are feeling stirred to go join other pre-existing churches and help build prayer there, or people plant new churches that are prayer-oriented, that kind of thing. Are you are you seeing that same kind of trend? Because I know you're helping people, helping pastors even do this. Are you, are you sensing that as, as just sort of like another wave that's happening right now? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say it like this is I I think the last three years with COVID and the falling away and we built, well, let me say it this way is we've never been better at doing church and we've never seen it the least effective as it is right now. We've never seen it not make an impact in society. Yeah. It's a good question to ask when you lose half your people because the same question I asked, okay, so how do we rebuild now? And I think that question of how do we rebuild with those that are leaning in in prayer are coming to the same conclusions. Unless this church is built around his presence, this church isn't going to make it. 
it's going to fall again when the next crisis comes, when the next issue comes. It's, it's not going to make it. And so I, I think that, that that is an epiphany. And I would say that that is not prayer movement centric. I would say evangelical, right. mainline evangelical churches. I would say Baptist churches, uh, Presbyterian churches, uh, anyone that claims the name of Jesus yes. is asking this question and realizing that you know, our, our services are always meant to be centered around his presence, and our churches are always meant to be centered around his presence. The Catholics throughout history, that's why transubstantiation existed, was it was centered around the Eucharist. And the Eucharist was the presence of God, and everybody came to receive the Eucharist so they could receive the presence of God yeah. and meet with him in that way. I, I would say that we have lost what we're gathering around and what we're gathering for. And there is a returning to want to gather around. And I, I say it differently because I feel like charismatics have maybe so overstated the word presence of God that it feels like some sort of mist that we're waiting for and hoping for yeah. to like just kind of fill the room. And that's, I, I, I mean, if that happens, it's awesome. But yeah, that's, uh, that's not really what I, I, when I say presence is the way that I'm saying it to pastors and helping them is the presentness of God. I was going to ask you about that. I saw that on your website. <laughs> yeah. The, the, and the presentness is different because it means that when I'm preaching, I'm preaching like God is in the room and he has control. If, if I feel like we need to go a different direction, we're going to go a different direction if he speaks. I want to worship like God is in the room and we're not begging him to come. We're acknowledging his presence when we gather and we want to worship like he's in the room. Therefore, we want to sing like he's in the room, which changes uh, for a lot of a lot of people who like to program their first course, first course, first course, and then we're done. And then the person comes up and brings the word. Instead, we're worshiping like he's there. And what does he want to say? What does he want to do? Show us your beauty. Show us your glory, God. We do small groups and childcare like he's present. Mm. And, and we teach kids that God wants to speak to us. He wants to use us. He wants to speak through us. We want to lay our hands on the sick and see them healed. Like he's here. So let's interact with him. Let's interact with the living God and be carriers of his presentness and go tell the world that he's here. He's present. Mm. You can see him. You can encounter him. So I, I think that that shift is happening because we've built our churches like atheists. <laughs> well, that's a statement. I, I think we've built our churches around the absence of God. We've built our churches in ways we got to keep you here. So we're going to keep it short. We're going to do it like this. And we're going to have this program so you can get. And programs are necessary. Growth tracks are necessary. When somebody attends your service, they need to know what the next steps are so they can know how to become a part of the community. All that's helpful. Um, but we've made that the thing. We've made the the programs and the the systems and the leadership principles. I mean, we are most pastors I know are obsessed. They probably listen to leadership podcasts and read leadership books more than they do the Bible. Huh. And, and I'm not saying that to throw stones. I'm just saying we've gotten so good at the programs and the systems, and we've missed in the process. It's not getting rid of those. I don't think you need to get rid of the leadership principles. I don't think you need to get rid of programs. It's just recenter them around the presentness of God and not the absence of God. Mm. And we have this thought in the way that we've built things that like, he's not going to come. So we're going to try to do everything we can to make you feel good, make and do all the things the presence of God is supposed to do. We're going to make you feel honored. We're going to make you feel special. We're going to create an experience for you so that you can. And we actually say that we're going to create a worship 
church experience for you that you will like and enjoy. But the presence of God is the experience that they're going to like and enjoy. And I want to be a bridge to lead people to him, not a bridge to lead people to us and our ideas of, that we've crafted and built around. And that, and that, to me, that's the difference. Uh, and that's what I mean by the we built like atheists is we do church expecting God to do nothing. And we do church and, and we, we send people to counselors and I have nothing against therapy, but I got to say, I had so many people in my church that were in therapy who are not getting anywhere with any of their issues wow. because none of them were actually implementing the Bible and implementing God's word in their life and seeing God transform them because he's a transformative God. Yeah. I want to build churches around the presence of God, the activity of God, the realness of God and not build like atheists. So good, man. I love it. Let me, uh, I don't want to get into theological weeds, but I love love thinking about the presence of God and and this idea of the presentness of God. There's a sense in which God manifests his presence, right? God is omnipresent. He's, there's a sense in which God's everywhere, but there's also a sense in which God does manifest his presence. It may, may not be a glory cloud, but there's times where it feels like something shifts and I mean, we had it Tuesday night in in our prayer room here in Eastern North Carolina. We just amazing. We got to the end of the the meeting, and it's just like you feel like something shifts with the space time, and you're like <laughs> caught up in some somewhere else. And it's like in the whole room, and everybody's that's there is aware yeah. that God has manifested His glory in that place in a particular way. And so there's that. That's a thing. So there's a sense in which you are aware of God's present where he's here, even though maybe we're not experiencing that kind of moment, but we minister to him because he's here in some way. So we sing to him like he's here. We acknowledge he's with us. So anyway, I'm just kind of picking at, at some of the terminology just to try to make sure we're thinking rightly and, and make sure we're approaching God and relating to him in the right way. How do you How do you think about all that stuff? Yeah, so I think there's the, obviously, like you said, we know God is everywhere, so there's his omnipresence. There's his indwelling presence that comes at salvation. Right. His presence is in us. It's the reason why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6 and 7 talks about being careful of sexual immorality and sin because you're a carrier of his presence. We're, we're living temples. You know, that wasn't just so that you work out. That your body as a temple wasn't necessarily about how many push-ups you do is it was to say no you are a temple like the holy spirit rests within you yeah and so so that helps me the holy spirit resting within me and that helps sanctify me that's uh for sanctification that's that's to make me more holy and more like him is his indwelling presence but then we see in acts 2 and we see all throughout the book of acts and all throughout scripture we see his manifest presence And the manifest presence of God comes when we gather together and it anoints us for a task. Um, When the manifest presence of God comes in Acts 2 and in Acts 4 and uh, pretty much through that whole span, the, the presence of God is coming on them to go evangelize. The presence of God is coming on them to move in signs and wonders. The presence of God is coming on them to, to go do whatever task God is asking them to. And so that's for ministry. And we're called all of us to be ministers. And so I can be sanctified by the indwelling presence of God, presentness of God. Mm. But when I come together in a corporate body, especially at a church, I'm just a John Wimber guy. Like I, I think at the end of the day, the goal of coming together isn't just to hear that these miracles were done once, but 
but together, together, get filled, you know, manifest presence of God, get our marching orders and go out and do it amongst the people. And so to me, that's what the presentness of God coming on a meeting is. One is it's real. And I think that alone gives us faith and hope and courage to come together as a community around his presence and around him, knowing that he's at the center. But two, it gives us a real task. It gives us a real job to to come together so that we go out. You know, so many prayer movements have been chided for just being about prayer and not being around, you know, doing anything else. And and yep. it, it never was supposed to be either, or it's always supposed to be both. Yeah. You come together, you pray, you receive the manifest presence of God, and it gives you uh, marching orders to go out into your community and do something. Right. And that's how I think of it. And maybe what I'm adding when I say presentness is just even adding, even if the manifest presence of God doesn't come like at your Tuesday night prayer meeting, the goal is that I'm coming here with my brothers and sisters to meet with him. And that is the basis of our community together. It reminds us that we're brothers and sisters, that we are a family coming around our father. And I think we miss that in churches is we come for a message or we come for an experience or we come for uh, a religious piety. But but what the presentness of God is, it helps us understand that we're gathering here as a family around our father. And even if nothing happens, that alone was worth it. And that alone has meaning. And that's what I help tell pastors when they're building prayer meetings is don't take attendance. I have a rule. Nobody's allowed to say it was a good or bad prayer meeting <laughs> because we're not evaluating the experience. We're just evaluating, did we do it or not? And the fact that we did it counts because all that matters is that we were faithful to come as brothers and sisters around our father. And yeah. when we do that, we're able to, as a group, be led by him. Yeah. I love that. That's so helpful. Thanks for going down the the bunny trail there with me. I I love thinking about that stuff. I've had similar, you know, people ask you how how's the prayer room going, that kind of thing. And I love to just say, hey, we we are doing it. We're there. God's there. I mean, what what else do you need, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's certainly more enjoyable when the music's good and the singing is great and the totally. songs are good choices. It's more enjoyable, but Right. But that's not the reason why I'm doing it. We're doing it because we want to be faithful to our Father. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. Awesome. Well, Zach, this has been great, man. I've, I've loved just get, just hearing your heart, and I think I think people are going to be super encouraged, number one, by some of the beautiful things that God's doing in the church, and also some wisdom in how to build and to lead and to orient around the presentness of God. I love that. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to to ask you about that anyway, so... Hey, uh, any last words or any way that people can connect with you, check out, you know, we'll put all the links and stuff in the description, but yeah. how can people track with you and maybe glean more from what you're doing? Well, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. That's probably the place that I post the most. Uh, ZachHensley.com is where my Ephesus Ministries kind of page is couched. And that's with a K, Zach with C-A-C-K. Zach with a K, yes. C-A-C-K, Hensley.com and Beautiful Church Podcast. It's on all platforms can hear some of those amazing stories. But I mean, ultimately, what my hope and prayer is, is I I believe that we're in the middle of a great shaking in the church. Mm. And I think it's good. I think it's uncomfortable. I think it's going to be hard. And I'm not even just talking about leaders falling or getting raffled up in controversy, uh, even though that is happening everywhere right now. I think what God is doing is he's preparing us for this next season. 
And if anything, I think it's a time for us to evaluate our lives and our hearts and live before the eyes of God in everything that we do. And uh, I think that that's where God is calling me and, and drawing my attention and drawing our attention in this time. And yeah, and, and I have Ephesus Ministry. If you want to help build prayer in your church, just reach out to me. I've got a ton of courses and uh, coaching that uh, help people do. But at the end of the day, it's not inform- about the information so much as just giving you the courage to know that that this is important and this is something that you need to do. So. Yeah, so good. Amen. Yeah. Zach, thank yeah. you for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me on, bro.